Live from New York City, it's the Gary Null Show. And now, your host, Gary Null. Hi everyone, I'm Gary Null. Nice to have you with us today. We're going to share the latest on ginger. Over 14 active biocompounds to fight well, everything from infection to cancer. Proof that breast cancer cells can revert to normal without drugs. An in-depth discussion on black seed oil. The remedy for everything but death, according to Sergi of Green Med Info. We'll talk about the latest on alpha-lipoic acid, helping the brain, and what happens if you have enough or too little vitamin D, and many more things on health and nutrition. Then from our public health segment, before you think that all the water in America and the lakes and the rivers and the ocean are equally clean and vital and enjoyable, I'll give you the latest on a survey that was done where they took into account actual water, sampled it, and found, wow, in L.A., in Orange County, fecal contamination caused 627,800 conditions and 1,470,000 gastrointestinal illnesses just in a year. In fact, each year around 3.5 million people in the United States get sick because of sewage overflows in 10 trillion gallons, that's trillion gallons of untreated stormwater, are released into our waterways. So where are the places you should be concerned? We'll give you the list. From our commentary segment today's, Why Do We Hate the Poor? Kim Redigan of Common Dreams has an answer. Also, I'm sure many of you have seen uh, recently all of the excessive violence by different members of the police and SWAT teams, how they... Um, and we'll go into a place, not tell the people why they're there, not tell them when they haven't found anything, what they were looking for, destroy people's homes and lives, and take no responsibility. Well, America's Paramilitary Police by Andrew Damon will have that. We'll also take a look at uh, an issue. Are students getting dumber? I didn't think it was possible getting dumber. They are a letter from a teacher, from Lisa, uh, to some of her friends, which was sent to me by one of those friends. These are 16-year-olds giving answers to a GED examination. Now, mind you, this is not made up. This, these are genuine answers. So I'll tell you what uh, someone who's in 11th grade is answering. Also a commentary today, and I think this is well overdue, from Ted Rawl from Alternet. At some point, progressives need to break up with the Democratic Party. It's time to get out of this abusive relationship. Bill Maher, you listen to me? Oh, I forgot. A lot of people think Bill is a progressive. No, he's a good Democrat. You see, the fact that he curses a lot, says a lot of unfunny jokes, but laughs at him himself, doesn't mean he's progressive. We'll show why the progressives are fleeing the Democrats 
In fact, everyone should be fleeing the corporate Democrats. And and, uh, more on that. And of course, throughout this uh, discussion, I'll be opening up our talkback line at 888-874-4888. That's 888-874-4888. Let's begin. We know that the omega-3 fatty acids are very important for our health, but according to the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, they have some new information on research done at Oregon Health and Science University that shows that the omega-3 fatty acids and alpha lipoic acid slowed functional and cognitive decline in Alzheimer's disease patients. Now, I've seen this for a long time in people who've had any form of brain chemical problems or, let's say, inflammation in the brain leading to dementia, memory loss. And so alpha-lipoic acid three times a day, generally at about 400 milligrams, and the omega-3 fatty acids, that can help. Also, when you have too little vitamin D that's associated with a greater infection in surgery patients. This was an interesting article from the American Medical Association, published in their journal, The JMA Surgery. It shows that when you're in a hospital and you're being um, given surgery, you have a greater rate of infection, especially with gastric bypass surgery, if you have low vitamin D levels. According to Dr. Kwasari at Massachusetts General Hospital and colleagues, they looked at 770 adults who underwent gastric bypass surgery and found that those who had the lowest amount of vitamin D had the worst outcomes. So make sure that you're getting your vitamin D. Also, another big article in the journal Free Radical Biology and Medicine, University of Kentucky reports that vitamin D deficiency causes damage inside the cells. So make sure you're getting your vitamin D. Now, I've been talking for some time about how important grape skin, grape seeds, grapes, grape juice, organic grape juice, how good it is for you. One more scientific study. This is from the Peer-Review Journal of Nutrition and Cancer. They published an article based upon research at the University of Colorado about the anti-cancer effects in prostate cancer cells from a compound found in grapeseed extract. It's known as B2G2. So we've known for a long time that it helps the immune system. Now there's something specific. Quote, we've shown similar anti-cancer activity in the past with grapeseed extract, but now we know that B2G2 is its most biologically active ingredient, which can be synthesized in quantities that will allow us to study the detailed death mechanisms in cancer cells. That's according to that. I, you've heard me say many times, you cannot be healthy if you're overweight. But we have this whole argument in political correctness, and certainly understandable. You don't want anyone feeling bad about themselves because they're overweight. I mean, we're aware that when people are overweight, they're fully aware. When they look in the mirror and see what their body is today versus when it was at its ideal weight. So being sensitive and and thoughtful is important. But you also have to be honest. 
this idea that somehow you can be overweight and you'll have a few of your blood chemistries okay. Well, I'm overweight, but my doctor said, you know, my heart is healthy, my blood pressure is down. That, that isn't the point. You have, you're using your heart at an accelerated rate. After all, all the excess weight upon your body increases your body mass index, meaning the percentage of your body that's fat. It's not uncommon to find men and women who have high 20s and 30s as percentage body fat. It really should be in the teens, low teens. And there's a new study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine that suggests that the so-called healthy obesity, the uh, characterized by an obese body mass uh, in the absence of adverse metabolic features, like uh, bad lipid profiles or elevated blue glucose or hypertension is not as healthy as some ones believe. Researchers from Mount Sinai Hospital in the University of Toronto looked at 12 different studies with over 67,127 subjects, and studies include those that evaluated all-cause death in cardiovascular events. And uh, so what they found was that, yeah, you have a you have a 24% greater risk of dying from all causes over a 10-year follow-up. So understand something. You're overweight. You're not healthy. So there's a lot of science there to support it to get, get yourself healthy. We also have something good from the Journal of the American Heart Association. Researchers looked at 12 different studies involving vitamin C intake, and what they found was when they looked at 217,000 men and women, they found that vitamin C at high levels is linked with a lower risk of stroke. 19% lower risk of stroke. So that's a big positive. Also, tea drinking linked to lower stroke risk. This is from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and it was at an international scientific symposium on tea and human health. University of California, Los Angeles, reported their conclusions on a protective effect of tea drinking against stroke. 21% lower risk of both stroke incidence and death from stroke for those who had the highest tea intake and uh, also because of the flavonoids. So make sure that you're getting your healthy organic tea each day. And also heartburn drugs, which are very common in the United States. You've seen the ads. People eating really bad food, but then, you know, saying, why oh, take this pill? No, you should stop eating the bad foods. Your body's telling you something when you're having gastric distress. Killing the symptoms of it doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means you're not feeling the symptoms. Well, the Journal of the American Medical Association reports an association between the use of drugs that inhibit excess stomach acid and deficiencies of vitamin B12. So when you're taking these drugs, you have up to 65% greater risk of being diagnosed with vitamin B12 deficiency, and that also means greater fatigue. A high-fat diet in puberty is linked to breast cancer risk. A recent study in the journal Breast Cancer Research has found an association between diets that are high in fat, that's the average young woman in the United States in puberty, 
in case of breast cancer in adult women. It was done at Michigan State University, and uh, one group took a, uh, in the laboratory took low-fat diet, another fed a high-fat diet, and that's how they came up with this after 10 weeks. So get off the high-fat diet. Also from the proceedings of our National Academy of Sciences, vitamin D works against multiple sclerosis. That's important. It works to protect you against multiple sclerosis. This was done at Johns Hopkins University, and they found that uh, there was definitely a beneficial impact. One more reason to get your vitamin D. I'm Gary Nall, now for a more in-depth discussion on black seed. Because very few people know about it, very few people use it, I think it's the most important oil we can put in our diet. But Sayer G of Green Med Info has done some really comprehensive research on this. And when you look at everything that this annual flowering plant, the nigella sativa, does, it's just remarkable. We know it's the earliest uh, of the seed oils. In fact, it was found in the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun's tomb. That's 3,300 years ago. In Arabic cultures, black cumin is also uh, called the seed of blessing. And it's also believed that the Islamic prophet Muhammad said that it was a remedy for all disease except death. So what do we actually know? What's the actual good studies on it show? Well, here's what we do know. It is an analgesic. That means it kills pain. It's antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, anti-ulcer, antifungal, antihypertensive. It's an antioxidant. It's an antiviral, bronchial dilator. It inhibits um, glucose from getting too high, hence it's anti-diabetic. It protects the liver, hence it's a hepatoprotective. It's uh, insulin sensitizing. It's an interferon inducer. It's a leukotriene antagonist. It's a tumor necrosis factor alpha inhibitor. So those are the actual actions that are a subset of what it does. There's over 1,600 natural compounds found in black cumin seed oil. And if you look on Medline, you'll find 600,000 studies. 600,000 studies. You look at turmeric, for example. Turmeric has been identified indicating its value in over 600 health conditions. And... Uh, there's 160 different potentially beneficial pharmacological actions. You can view the quick summary of over 1,500 studies summarized on turmeric research. Then you start looking at black cumin seed oil and think, whoa, type 2 diabetes, helicobacter infection, high blood pressure, asthma, chemical weapons injury. There was a randomized placebo-controlled study of chemical weapons injured persons found that boiled water extracts of black seed reduced respiratory symptoms, chest wheezing and pulmonary function test values. Uh, colon cancer. Cell studies have found that black seed extract compares favorably to the 5-fluorouracil in the suppression of colon cancer growth. But with a high far, 
uh, much higher safety profile. And then MRSA. Now, MRSA is one of the most deadly infections you can get. Well, black seed oil has an antibacterial activity against clinical isolates of the methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or the MRSA. And it's also good for opiate addiction withdrawal. A study on 35 opiate addicts found that black seed was effective in treating opiate dependence. So those are just some of the things and why it's so important that you pay attention to it. And finally, from Sherry Baker of Natural News, there's proof now that breast cancer cells can revert to normal without drugs. Let me explain this. When a woman has breast cancer, you'll often hear that she is battling and fighting the disease and that the goal is to kill the malignant cells by chemicals and radiation and then slice them out of the body with surgery. But there may be another way of getting rid of breast cancer. The key help cancer cells revert back to normal cells. It's not a totally new idea, after all. Uh, It has been done. In fact, there was a study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine found that some breast cancers are apparently healed naturally by the body. The researchers concluded certain breast malignancies would have likely spontaneously regressed if they had never been discovered on a mammogram and treated. Now there's evidence from scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, and the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory that malignant mammary cells can be guided back into normal growth patterns without using chemicals or drugs. The findings, which the researchers recently announced at the annual meeting of the American Society of Cell Biology in San Francisco, reveal that for the first time that mechanical forces alone can revert and stop cancer cells from growing out of control. What's more, the cancer cells can return to normal even though genetic mutations responsible for triggering the malignancy in the first place don't go away. So what did the researchers do to make cancer cells return to normal? They literally put the squeeze on them. Specifically, they showed that mechanical pressure exerted on cancer cells made them appear to be normal and healthy cells again. And for the study, the scientists put malignant breast epithelial cells into a gelatin-like substance, the cells were then injected into flexible silicone chambers that allowed the researchers to apply compressive force to the cancer cells in an early stage of their development. And the researchers used time-lapse microscopic review over several days to show that early compression induced changes in the malignant cells that gave them the characteristic feature of normal cell development. Quote, people have known for centuries that physical force can influence our bodies. This is the person who did all this work. And uh, when we lift weights, our muscles get bigger. The force of gravity is essentially uh, there to keep our bones strong. Here we show that physical force can play a role in the growth reversion of cancer cells. The researchers are not necessarily proposing the development of compression brawls as a treatment for cancer. Quote, compression in and of itself is not likely to be a therapy. Just one of the different ways of looking at it. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about new research showing alkaline foods and supplements build strong bones. I did mention that I would uh, give you a little bit more influence, uh, a little bit more information on the influence of ginger. Here they are. Here they, this is this. It's uh, 14 bioactive compounds to fight numerous diseases. 
the latest research shows that when they looked at ginger, they found over 115 different phytochemicals, and they have been able to isolate them and show their importance. Cancer protection, heartburn, acid reflex, boosting the immune system, pain, cough, sore throat, stuffy nose, nasal congestion, upset stomach, nausea, toothache, headaches, inflammation, sore throat, and swelling. Those are some of the things that you can reasonably expect from ginger. I'm Gary Knoll, and uh, we're going to be taking your calls in a moment. If you'd like to join in, just give a call at 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. And I'm also going to, tomorrow, I'm going to do, for those of you who've been concerned about chemtrails and and uh, environmental warfare, I'm going to do a commentary and special investigation on the ultimate weapon to use weather modification. It's real. Oh, and by the way, for those who never seem to find anything to hold our government or bureaucracies accounted for, this is from Global uh, Possibilities, quote, government sprayed radioactive chemicals on poor people in science experiment. Study claims, quote, New research claims that the government sprayed swath of St. Louis with radioactive particles as part of a biological weapons program. The U.S. government may have used a densely populated swath of low-income housing projects in St. Louis as its radioactive chemical testing ground through the 1950s and 60s. Undertaking uh, this study by a sociology professor, Lisa Taylor, claims the government sprayed African-American sections of St. Louis with radioactive particles as a part of the Biological Weapons Program. In 1994, the government admitted that it had, in fact, used St. Louis as testing ground during the Cold War because it was architecturally similar to Soviet cities. But it said that the material sprayed was zinc-cadmium sulfide, a fine powder that is not thought to be dangerous to one's health. And between 1957 and 58, the government sprayed much of the United States with this chemical compound as part of its biological test called Operation Large Area Coverage, which sought to better understand how biological or chemical agents were dispersed in the air. But Martino Taylor's study challenges this and says that the chemical compounds sprayed over sections of St. Louis were actually laced with dangerous radioactive chemicals. Unlike in other sections of the country that underwent testing, the government disseminated the chemicals with sprayers placed on the top of housing projects and schools and station wagons across low-income sections of the city. The majority of the testing occurred, I'm going to guess it's the Pruitt housing project, because that was one of the most famous housing projects in America. Uh, There were 10,000 low-income people. Uh, The majority, of course, were African-American and children there. In Army documents, which Martino Taylor revealed using Freedom of Information Act requests, the Army described this area as, quote, a densely populated slum district. And at the time, the local government officials were told that the government was testing potential smoke screens that could be used to protect St. Louis from Soviet aerial attack. The study was secret for a reason, according to Taylor. Quote, they didn't have volunteers stepping up and saying, yeah, all breathe zinc, cadmium sulfide with radioactive particles. It was pretty shocking, the level of duplicity and secrecy. Clearly, they went to great lengths to deceive people. 
The government never performed follow-up studies to see if the chemical it sprayed were in fact radioactive or caused adverse health reactions. Many residents, however, harbored suspicions that the hazy spray that thickened the air had made them sick. One resident of the housing project named Doris Spade, for example, has had four of her siblings and her father all die from cancer. She herself suffered from cervical cancer. She told the Associated Press that she wonders whether the government issued chemicals are to blame. Now, as a follow-up to this, I did an article. It was the first article of its type. It was a cover story. I spent a year investigating the government's secret um, research on human beings in the United States. Uh, This was published in October 1989. You can find it on our archives at blog.garynall.com. And at that time, I was doing about four articles per year. These are major original investigative reporting series. And uh, I actually was able to track down one of the doctors who was in one of these radioactive experiments. And first, he was surprised I could find him. And when I asked him, why did you do that? He, He simply said, look, I was a young doctor. I had a lot of bills to pay. And I didn't look at the ethics of this, even though I knew that what we were doing was wrong. Give an example. The government lied repeatedly, saying it never did these studies, yet then released a report showing that they had done over 1,900. That's 1,900 of these studies throughout the United States over a number of years. All types. Like in one case, they would feed very sick children in hospitals toast with radiation on it and then check their kidneys for a short period of time, see how much damage it did to their kidneys. I also did another study where I found that Sloan Kettering had a doctor, a very respected doctor there, who was injecting live cancer cells into patients. And that that would never have been known, except he was also doing it at a um, low-end economic-scale hospital in Brooklyn. And it was on a Saturday And one of the other physicians who was making the rounds saw this man and asked what he was doing. And and he saw him just giving vitamin shots, but he was doing it to pregnant women and injecting them in the leg. But it wasn't. It was live cancer cells. There were no studies following up these patients. They just wanted to see if we inject cancer into a person's leg, will the person develop cancer? The government has never once followed up on the Tuskegee experiment. In fact, the government's never done anything right when it comes. They just violate all of our rights with impunity. No one is ever held accountable. Could you imagine if you were caught injecting hundreds of people with live cancer cells? As a medical doctor, you would immediately be pillared. You'd be brought to trial, and you'd spend a lot of time in prison, and you'd be sued. Government does it, no big deal. They've been using prisoners, people in the military, and poor people for their experiments for a long time. And then they lie about it. And this is the very government that we're told, trust us, vote for us, don't challenge us. These are the same people who now have shifted from experimenting on people to reading all your mail. Trying to catalog your thoughts, yes. 
every email, every computer stroke, everything you've ever shared. They, they are now trying to do psychological uh, composites to see who's, lead, who's leadership material, who's not. Finally, this is from Alternet. This is an article from Ted Rawl. Quote, at some point, progressives need to break up with the Democratic Party. At a certain point, if any relationship with dignity, you're supposed to get sick of being used and abused. Speaking of which, liberal Democrats. Democratic politicians act like right-wingers. Liberals vote for them anyway. The Democratic Party espouses right-wing policies. Self-described progressives give them cash. Comedian Bill Maher gave them a million dollars cash. The Democrats don't agree with him on anything. Why? Because he hates Republicans even more. Why didn't Maher save his money? Or better yet, find a group to fund, or a writer, or an artist, or who promotes ideas he actually agrees with? Because he, like tens of millions of other liberals, are stuck in the two-party trap. The relationship between liberals and Democrats is dysfunctional and enabling. Abused, pathetic, sucking up to cruel abusers. Progressives like Marr are like a kid with two rotten parents. The dad drinks and hits him, and the mom drinks less and hits him less. The best call is to run away from home. Instead, most children in that situation will draw closer to their mothers. Voting age progressives, on the other hand, are adults. When will they kick the Democratic Party to the curb? Probably not in time for the 2016 election, but they ought to. You don't have to be clairvoyant to see that the next presidential election promises nothing for liberals, but more the same. Dismay, disappointment, disgust, in no small part with themselves. Hillary Clinton, a conservative, warmongering, ideological, indistinguishable from Dwight Eisenhower, will most certainly be the Democratic nominee. But she isn't really a Democrat. Traditionally, Democrats were pro-worker, and she and her husband pushed through NAFTA, GATT, the World Trade Organization, and a slew of free trade schemes that have destroyed American jobs and depressed salaries. Democrats cared about the poor. Hillary has never so much as suggested a substantial anti-poverty initiative. Democrats are supposed to invade... Uh, um, aren't and supposed to invade sovereign countries for the hell of it. Clinton repeatedly pushed weapons of mass destruction lies, voted to invade Iraq, and so hasn't apologized for the two million Iraqis whose deaths for which she shares responsibility. Democrats won single-payer health care. Instead, she created a template for Obamacare, which keeps rates high to protect insurance companies' profits. Yet in today's Democrat Party, Hillary is inevitable. Yes, the highly resumed um, efforts to make her the lead person. That's what it happens. Even if party bosses allow an actual primary process, they didn't, by the way, in 2012, any primary challenge would be symbolic and impotent, like Bernie Sanders. Poorly funded and sad, raising the faded, tattered flag of liberalism, in a quixotic bid to coat 
Hillary's coronation with a veneer of small-D Democratic legitimacy. If you're a lefty, the Democratic establishment doesn't care about your opinion. They certainly don't want your input. What they want is your vote in exchange for exactly nothing in return. They're political parasites, draining the enthusiasm and idealism of progressives, simultaneously neutering and exploiting mainline liberals. Like a tick, mainline centrist, Democrats will suck you dry. First, they misdirect your hope for real change. Then they extract your vote. By the time you realize you've been chomped, they, they are bloated with power and wealth. You're left with drained political energy. During the initial months following the election, you get angrier. You watch con artists like Obama take office, appoint right-wingers to the cabinet, and ignore America's victims. The poor at home, the bombed overseas, off goes the president, your president, since you voted for him, golfing and shooting hoops and vacationing on the vineyard while millions lose their homes to illegal foreclosures. Poverty soars, the military gins up the new wars and expands on the old ones. Gitmo, yes, it stays open, and killer drone planes fill the skies. Eventually, of course, you get over it, you recover. Then, two to four years later, the paradoxical Democrats are back to suck out whatever idealism you've managed to regenerate. Progressive Democratic voters are understandably enthusiastic about what, certainly not Hillary Clinton, after enduring her conservative Southern Democratic husband, after all, remember, he bombed Bosnia, ignored Rwanda, supported NAFTA, trashed welfare, and also Obama, drones, Libya, Syria, Iran again. They know what's coming more of the same. Because they're not willing to ditch the Democratic Party, however, they're trapped in a state of cognitive dissidence, unable to act in order to avoid certain disasters. Thus, progressives are resorting to ridiculously transparent non-tactics. For example, deploying this uh, spectral presence of Elizabeth Warren to extract as many liberal concessions as possible. It's not a crazy strategy. Liberals are told the mere thought of Warren seems to rattle the Clintons who are haunted by the debacle of 2008. Actually, it is crazy because the Clintons watched the news and warned isn't running. So, at this early stage, it is perfectly obvious that Hillary Clinton will screw over progressives. Not only is it evident that she will break their head, hearts, it is clear that how she'll go about it. So let's say Democrats' faith in Clinton is re rewarded and she wins the presidency. Here's how the 2016 transition is like to play out. Having talked about inequality during the primaries, maybe even in the general election, she will feel pressure to appoint economists who know something about the issues. She will pluck a few advisors from the reserve army of liberals at think tanks like the Center for American Progress, home of many former Clinton White House aides over the years, the Economic Policy Institute, and the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities. Yeah. But as the transition goes on, liberals will notice a disconcerting shift. They will watch most of the senior posts in her Treasury Department go to alumni of Wall Street. 
They will see her fill out the top echelons of financial regulators, Security and Exchange Commission, the Commodity Future Trading Commission, the Office of Controller of the Currency, with banking industry lawyers. They will even notice banking bankers turning up in agencies with little role in finance, like the State Department and U.S. Trade Representative. Though any one appointment will be justified, the Treasury Undersecretary for Domestic Finance should probably have a finance background, for example. The larger mass of Wall Street transplants will create a stubborn level of groupthink. Their skepticism towards policies like financial transaction tax, aggressive prosecution of financial market crime, and breaking up the megabands will never happen. Don't come back in 2017 and say you were surprised. Yeah, just think of The Nation magazine and all of its writers. Here is the issue. I believe that that this author has made a serious error. Here's what the Democrats are counting upon. Just remain as stupid as you always have been. As long as you just are dumbed down to the bone, then it doesn't matter where on the Democratic or liberal spectrum you are. You're expected to vote against the lesser of two evils. Isn't that what we're told? Well, think of the consequences. Think of the consequences. Had they done anything right, such as voting for Ralph Nader or Jill Stein or Rocky Anderson, if Nader had become president, here's what would not be around today. Let's just think. We wouldn't be in Iraq. We wouldn't have gone into Iraq. We wouldn't have gone into Afghanistan. We wouldn't have a thousand military bases around the world. We wouldn't have a Federal Reserve overriding our are the banking bailouts. We wouldn't have had the banking bailouts because those banks would have been allowed to fail and go through structured bankruptcy. We wouldn't have had uh, the gas hydrofracking boom. We'd be closing down the nuclear power plants. We wouldn't be allowing the genetically modified companies to control policy of food safety. We wouldn't have Michael Taylor at the FDA. We would also be having a single health care payer system we would have been saving about thirty to 40,000 lives a year. Uh, we would have also not been spying on all of Americans. The national security state would have been kept at a minimum. Uh, we could have our emails and our phone calls in private. We wouldn't uh, have allowed the criminals within the agencies of the government to get away with what they've done, violate all of our constitutional rights. There'd be uh, no two sets of laws, one for those who are powerful in Wall Street and one's for everyone else. We wouldn't have an epidemic of obesity in our children and diabetes, adult diabetes in our children, because the networks and the food companies would have been challenged. Yeah. We wouldn't have the control that Wall Street has. We would have a pushback against the lobbyists. And... And the American Legislative Exchange Challenge, well, ALEC, would have been exposed. We'd be cleaning up our environment. We'd be strengthening our water and our air regulations. We'd be looking for diplomatic input in solving crisis around the world. There would be a gross imbalance of the Israeli lobby uh, strangling the American legislative process. We wouldn't have Citizens United. So just think of that. So all of you who are so snarly and so conceited 
and so sure that Ralph Nader was the enemy of the people, and you voted for John Kerry? Take a look at the man and his policies. So it's time that those people who have a conscience and have a brain and who are not willing to sacrifice any more of our rights, few that we have left, look for people who are truly independent. Bill Maher is not independent. The fact that he can be excessively vulgar, unfunny, who does he stack his show with? Who are his guests every week? Corporate right and corporate left, from Ann Coulter to others. These are all corporatists. You don't see true independence from progressives. So let's be clear. The right has tried to say that anyone who has left is progressive. No. Progressives are first and foremost independent thinkers who are looking for the truth. And that's something long ago that the Democrats gave up on. So it's time that you stop reading the articles trying to justify why we should vote for the lesser of two evils, because all we get is evil. And it really is not the lesser as we have seen. This year, we have had over 40,000 spot raids. They're all the same. They break through windows and doors, throw grenades in. They beat up people. There's no respect for American citizens today. Our educational system is being ripped apart by those trying to privatize it. There's no ethic today. Your legislator is more often than not just a sociopath. Those in power are all sociopathic. So where exactly are the lesser of evils making a difference? This is an illusion. And these people are not mentally ill, though they act like they are. These are just an extension of what happens when a person gets caught up in their own power system. I'm Gary Knoll. Those are my thoughts. Now time for yours. 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. Happy to have you on board from our public health segment from Tara Lohan from Alternet. Did some testing. Wow. Bad news for swimmers and those who make a living from the beach crowd. Contaminated waters from sewage overflows and leaks can cause a variety of health problems. What can you get if you go into the water without knowing what's in there? Well, stomach viruses, stomach flu, skin rashes, meningitis, hepatitis, respiratory infections. You could die. A lot do. Yep. If you think 3.5 million people becoming seriously ill from 10 trillion gallons of untreated stormwater, um, well, it gets worse. 85% of all the tourist revenue in the country comes from coastal states. Uh, Counties along the coast contributed $5.6 trillion to our gross domestic product, recorded with 47 million jobs. And yet, we have it bad to the bone. Alabama, California. Yeah, state has a whole lot of beaches, 500 miles and over 400 beaches on the ocean and the San Francisco Bay. Now, California does do a good job at monitoring, with 62% of its beaches checked once a week, and less than 1% not monitored at all. But still, they're finding excess pollution in 10% of the time. And uh, Maine. Now, Maine, of course, you'd think it'd be clean. Uh, 
Not true. 11% of all the tests showed excess contamination. Connecticut. Hundreds of miles of beaches. No, just 18. That's it on the Long Island Sound. But the state still managed to exceed standard 10% of the time, meaning too much bacteria. Wisconsin, the Great Lakes states, well, they had the most closures and the most warnings. Yeah. And then you have Illinois. That's close by to Wisconsin. They're worse. 52 beaches along Mich- uh, Lake Michigan. Uh, they had 14% excessive pollution in the water. And then Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, uh, Louisiana is the worst. Yeah. 2,232 closing days of contamination on the beaches. So why? Why is this happening? Well, some things you can control and some you can't. What you have is you have stormwater runoff, sewage overflows and inadequately treated sewage, agriculture runoff, and then you have wildlife, septic systems, boating waste. It all contributes to the pollution in the water, though more often than not, you can't see it. Just be aware of it. And public swimming pools, forget about it. (laughs) Forget about it. All it takes is one kid to go in there that has a dirty rear end You've got that feces all over the water. Some good news from the environment. They found what they think is the world's oldest living olive trees in Lebanon. 6,000 years old. It's in a sleepy village in Lebanon. 16 olive trees, 6,000 years old. Could you imagine that? And still doing well. They live a long time. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. everyone. Let's say hello to John from Staten Island. Hi, John. You're on the air. Hi, Gary. Uh, My mother is 79. She's had shingles for eight weeks. Uh, She's used hydrocodone for pain and now a lidocaine patch. And we've also used uh, hypericum, homeopathy, and adrenal formula. She has redness, burning, and intense pain. Constant for seven, eight weeks. She was diagnosed with herpes zoster, correct? 
Uh, yes. Okay. Well, shingles is herpes zoster, and uh, it's caused by the varicella zoster virus. That's the same one that causes chickenpox. What's bad about it is it impacts the nerve endings in the skin. It can be extremely painful. Uh, you'll see it in some people around their back, across their back, on their abdomen, and uh, clear down to the navel. And most people in America have contracted chickenpox. It's very common, causes a fever and a rash, and then it goes away. But the varicella zoster virus doesn't go away so easily. Uh, it can lie dormant in the spinal cord and nerve ganglia for decades until you get a lowered immune system, stress, overwork, in, inadequate sleep, nutrient deficiencies. That'll all cause that to come out. So what do you do? All right. And a lot of people have it. It's not uncommon. First and foremost, I'd try to get it at its, when it's out and actually manifesting, through high-dose vitamin A, uh, a aqua vitamin A, with vitamin C and intravenous uh, ozone. The, that would be the therapy I would do. And by the way, there's a lot of people who use ozone. And I've, I've talked with a lot of these people. Some of the people, I believe, are just being exploited. How are they exploited? Well, first, I know people who are trying to get over hepatitis and herpes, and yet they never had a follow-up uh, blood test to see whether or not the therapy was working. Well, it's, it's, you have to know, is this therapy working? One man was coming from Philadelphia four days a week, spending $110 each session, plus the cost of coming up and back, wasting four days a week for over a year. I said, you should have had every four weeks a, you know, a viral panel done. It's inexpensive and easy, and that would tell you whether or not this is working or not. Well, the doctor never recommended. What exactly is the doctor's background? What was his expertise? Is he internal medicine? Oh, no. But challenge him. You know, don't don't just accept that the doctor. A lot, I tell you, a lot of doctors are just in it for the money, and they don't really give a damn about their patients. So if you're seeing anyone for ozone, you better be getting a regular panel done, so you know that you're not wasting your time and sclerosing your veins. But anyhow, that's one of the things I would use. But I would also use oral lysine. Generally, they come in 500 milligram tablets. You take them on an empty stomach. You take them with vitamin C. You could take um, two or 3,000 milligrams. I would also take buffered vitamin C with quercetin, beta-1,3-D glucan. Um, that's very good for uh, viral infections. 100 milligrams B-complex. Zinc is important for the immune system. SAMI is good. It turns off inflammation and pain. What I mentioned earlier in the program, black cumin seed oil. I would use that two times a day, a teaspoon each time. Coenzyme Q10 is also important. Colloidal silver applied topically and internally in the omega-3 fatty acids. I mentioned earlier in the program today, grapeseed extract. I would use that because that protects the body and limits the blistering. Now, you're, you said that you're taking 
a uh, hypericine. Uh, that's good. I would take the maitake extract and the Wobin enzymes, W-O-B-E-N-Z-Y-M. They're extremely important. Then astragalus, bipaya y'all, that's B-I-P-H-A-Y, W-A-Y, excuse me, W-A-Y-A-W, y'all. It's a traditional Thai medicine, very good for uh, herpes. Burdock root, that's also good. And uh, green tea is also good. Milk thistle is good. Olive leaves extract are good. So that's what I would start with and get her off all sugar, caffeine, wheat, and meat. That'll also help her overall health and see that she's getting a good night's sleep. Okay, John, all the best to you. Thank you very much for your time, Gary. Bye. I'm Gary Nall. Let's go over and say hello to Luann Panessi. Hi, Luann. Hello, Gary. Well, I got an email from a nun. And she and other nuns love listening to the show. And they like this, especially the health and nutrition segments, uh, because they're on a limited budget and they want to know how to spend their money wisely. And uh, what she particularly enjoys are the topics that are not discussed by mainstream media. And she says, a few days ago, you talked about the history of why radical Islamists are doing what they're doing. And another very important topic for her was how the Founding Fathers did not base the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution on Judeo-Christian principles. We were not aware of this. And she says it makes a profound difference um, when we can get these insights. And here's her question. She says, we as Christian nuns believe that there is one Jesus Christ and that he was a historical figure. And no one in the church questions this. Her question is, is it true or should we question it? We have no answer. There is no proof that there was or was not the Christ of the uh, of Nazarene, because he may have been a, a historical figure, he may have been an allegorical figure, as would have been common in the Gnostic text. He could have been a divine figure. So, and because we have no historical evidence, irrespective of what religious scholars might try to tell you, there was no one around at that time who was writing and it was decades later that the first writing occurred. And also we have put this in perspective. This is a part of our need for heroes. How many different sons were born of a virgin birth on December 25th? How many saw stars in the sky were visited by wise men, turned water into wine, healed the sick, uh, scattered or killed demons, performed miracles, rode a donkey, were betrayed by silver. Someone got a box of silver. Sat for a communal meal and were killed on the cross, then resurrected. Odonis, Tammuz, Thor, Osiris, Krishna, Horus, Hermes, Dionysus, Balder, 
Bacchus, Attis, Hercules, Mithras, Tammuz. So, first and foremost, you have to ask, does it really matter? And I don't believe that it does. I believe that whatever helps you have the courage to live a moral and ethical life. Look at the teachings, whether they were the actual teachings or teachings of others who were interpreting in their own mind what the most moral way of living should be. They're still good. They're still important. Caring for the sick, caring for the poor, seeking social justice, um, those are all important values. So no one can say and prove with certainty what he was. But as long as you look for what inspires you and motivates you and gives you cause for treating other people with dignity and respect, it's really of secondary importance. That's how I would answer it. Okay. All the best. Nice, nice to know that nuns are making it a, a habit to listen to you. Oh, sorry. that's such a bad sorry, pun. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, but you're Italian, partly <laughs> Irish, partly and Catholic completely. No, 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 I'm not Irish. All right. Luann, thank you. <laughs> all right. We're, we're out of time, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Look forward to sharing more on tomorrow's program. Have a nice day.